Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Come on, well, hey, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles this morning, and I know it's the, uh, the custom here to stand for the reading of God's Word, so if you wouldn't mind just standing with me. Uh, if you're new here, we just do this out of honor and reverence for God's Word this morning. And so I want to read to you from Luke chapter 5, and this is out of the P- Passion Translation, so it might be a, a little bit different for you this morning, but uh, let's just read it. It says, On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowds on the Lake of Galilee. There was a vast multitude of people pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat. I I love about this story that, that Jesus will just get into your boat. Aren't you thankful that Jesus will get in the middle of your situation? Whether you ask him for it or not, he will get all up in the mess and the dirtiness and the dead fish and all the stinking rotten stuff in your life. He will get in your boat. Come on, somebody. So he gets in the boat and he says, let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to the deep water there in the the shallow water. Let's go out to the deep water to cast your nets and you will have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let our nets down because of your word. I think we sometimes we just need to trust God at his word. We don't need more explanation. We don't need proof first. It's not I'll see it, then I'll believe it. No, it's I'll believe it, and then I'll see it. I, I trust God at his word. But if you insist, we will go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled out up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much that their nets were ready to burst. Now, I really want you to lean in on the second part of the passage right here. Their nets were ready to burst. So they waved to their business partners and the other boat for help. You can highlight that, circle it, whatever you do. They waved to their business partners for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. Simon Peter and the other fishermen, including his partners Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, were awestruck over the miracle of the catch of fish. Jesus answered, Do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. Hey, hey don't be afraid. Don't count yourself out. I know you messed up a lot in life. I know you're doubting that God can use you right now. I know you're, you're questioning all these things, but don't yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation. After pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Well, hey, I, I want to speak to you from this idea, me, you, we. Me, you, we. And if you need another uh, title, you can put the, the subtitle there, The Power of Partnership. The Power of Partnership. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do in this place, God. We thank you that you are already here. You are moving, God. We thank you for the worship, for the prayer. Now speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. Will you go ahead and have a seat this morning? Hey, I want to just share something with you, and you may not realize this or not, 
um, and I don't want you to get too scared at the beginning of the sermon, but I, I just want you to realize that you cannot do this life on your own. I don't know if you've ever realized that or not, but you cannot do all the things that you dream about, all the things that God has called you to do. You cannot do it on your own. And and usually we discover that in one or two places. Maybe you're in this place today and you are at the lowest of your low. Uh, Maybe you lost a job. Maybe uh, you're, you're filing for divorce. Maybe that relationship is over. Maybe your dreams of starting that business are over. And you are at the lowest point of your life. And you say, okay, I realize that I can no longer do this on my own. Or maybe you're in the other side of the spectrum today. And maybe everything has been going good for you. And maybe you've got the job, and maybe you've got the promotion, and maybe you've got more degrees than a thermometer, and maybe you've got all the things that you want in life, but you have reached that point where you have it all, but it seems like you're still empty on the inside. And even though you have all these things that are supposed to fulfill you and supposed to make you feel right in life, you are realizing that you cannot do it on your own. And so at this point, all of us, if you haven't reached that point already, newsflash, you will, just just live a few more years in your life. But all of us reach this point, and usually this is the point where we turn to God. And we say, okay, I need to go back to church, or maybe I need to check out church for the first time. I need to give my life to Jesus. I know I need something in my life that is bigger than me, that is stronger than me, that knows more than me. And so I am going to turn to God for help in my life. But, but can I tell you this morning that, that you, you, there's another step. You need something more than God. And I know you're probably thinking, well, that is blasphemy. What is this guest preacher talking about? Like, I, it is just me and God. Like, we are good. If God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, somebody. Like, it's me, myself, and I, and God, and we good, and we got this, and we're all on our own. And maybe you're even in this place, and you've experienced this, or you've heard people say this, where uh, uh, they'll say things like, you know, I don't really need a church. I, I don't really need uh, people in my life. As long as I've got God, I'm good. Any, anybody thought about that before? Maybe you heard that before well, well it's interesting to me that uh that people say that but it's just not true like come on a- anybody you hear some church stuff and it sounds real good but you're like that's just not true come on like just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true i i, I love in the in the new year like we always have these little sayings for the new year just because it rhymes does not mean it's word from god like oh seven open heaven come on Oh, eight, we going into the gates. You know, like, we, what does that even mean? Like, like we hear these things, but, but sometimes we hear stuff and it sounds good, but it's not even true. And, and I think we have to realize that, that if Adam, the first man, the first human being who had a perfect relationship with God, lived in a perfect climate, it was not feeling like Victoria in the Garden of Eden. Like, it was cool, it was nice, you know, low humidity, all this stuff. Even he needed someone other than God. Because God saw that Adam was doing everything that Adam was called to do. He, he, the, the Bible says that he walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know about you. I, I pray a lot. I, I hear from God. But I don't really walk with God every day. Like, like I don't see God walking beside me. So, so if Adam was in a perfect relationship with God and God said it's not good for man to be alone, don't you think that we could take that as a little bit of a, a little bit of a hint that we're not supposed to be alone. And, and I know many times, uh, especially preachers, we, we use that passage of Scripture to talk about marriage and romantic relationships. And, you know, it's not good for a man to be alone. You know, when a man leaves his mother and father and finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Come on, where are all the husbands at in the place? A good thing. 
And, and that's great, but I don't think it was so much about the relationship, the romantic relationship. I think it was more about the partnership. Because God had called Adam to do some big things in his life. When he put him in Eden, it was not a garden, it was a jungle. And God said, I need you to take captive of this jungle and turn it into a garden. So I need you to trim the trees, I need you to collect all the animals, I need you to name them, I need you to train them, I need you to figure out all this different kind of stuff. So he had called him to do something really big, but even God realized that Adam couldn't do it on his own. So, so God placed another person in his life, a partner in his life, so that he could do all he was called to do. Come on, I, I just want to tell you today that you need some people in your life. I, I don't know about you, to kind of make it a little bit more practical, some of you are like, man, this has been real heavy, real from the start. It's okay, take a, let's just all take a breath. <sighs> it's going to be good. But, but I don't know about you, but I am one of those type of people that it's hard for me to realize that I need other people. And, uh, and I, I usually do that like when I'm putting together Ikea furniture or something. Like how many of you have been putting together Ikea furniture? And it told you at the beginning that you needed two people, but you're like, I'm a man. I got this. I don't need I'm strong. I got my toolbox right here. Like we good to go. I got this thing. And you're like, wait, it really would have been good to have an extra set of hands right now. Like this would have been nice. Uh, I, I discovered this a, a couple years ago. Uh, we were setting up a, a new youth center for our youth at Oasis Church, and uh, it, it was just an incredible time. But I realized that we did not have a ping pong table. And if you're going to have a youth group, you got to have a ping pong table. I, I don't know if this youth group has a ping pong table, but you need one. That's a word from God right there. Come on. You, you gotta, if you're going to have a successful youth group, you got to have a ping pong table. Like it's somewhere in Leviticus. I don't know where, but it's somewhere in there. Just look through there. Uh, so so I, I went to buy a ping pong table, and I had a pickup truck. And when I bought it, it was nice because they loaded it in the truck for me. And, and they said, hey, just want to let you know, uh, do you have someone to help you unload this when you get to, to where you're going? And I was like, yeah, yeah I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. You know, one of those things. And so I get there, and I'm like, I got this. Like, you know, it's only like 200 pounds and like 7 feet wide and 4 feet deep. And, you know, I got this. Like, I'm strong. I've been working out. Like, I got this. So I, I back up the pickup truck to our little youth room, and I open the doors, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull it to the edge of the, of the truck, and then I kind of lift it up. You know, anybody done this before? So I'm going to kind of lift it up. And, and so I, I get there, and I, and I do all this, and I'm like, cool, I'm pulling it. This is good. I got it in position. This is going to be great. I'm going to set this up later. Like, we're going to have a revival in our youth group because we got a ping pong table now. Like, this is going to go. It's going to be great. And so I, so I load it up, and I get it to the edge of the, the bed of the truck, and, and I begin to tip it, and, and when it got about 90 degree vertical, I felt the weight of it. And, and I don't know about you, but, but sometimes in that moment, time slows down. Anybody been there before? Like right before you get in a car wreck or like these different things in life, like your kid's about to fall off the edge of the couch, and you're just, everything slows down. And so everything slowed down, and I just begin to think to myself, it would really be good to have another person with me right now. Like, this would be really nice if I had somebody else because I cannot carry this. And it's time started to speed up and boom, and it just hit the bed of the truck and luckily did not crush me. And I realized I'm going to call somebody and help me put this thing in the truck because I, I need some other people to, to do this, to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And, and I think that relates to us today that, that there are things that we are called to do there are things that you want to do in your life, dreams that God has placed in your heart. Maybe it's not even super spiritual, but to start that business, to be the first person in your family to graduate from college, to get that promotion, whatever it may be, there are things in your life that God has put in your heart. God puts the desires of our heart, in our heart. And, and so you have had those desires, but there are some other people that you need to get that done. 
You, you need some other people. In, in the middle of doing what you think you're supposed to be doing, you're going to realize that you need some other people. Because we cannot do what we are called to do alone. And I know maybe I'm seeming redundant this morning, but I, I just want you to get that this morning, that you cannot do what you're called to do on your own. There's an old saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And a lot of us in life in 2019, in the world that we live in, and in the, in the in industries that we work in, all these different things, we are trained to go fast and go alone. And we are trained to work your way to the top, dog eat dog, do whatever you've got to do to get the promotion. Just make your way to the top, do everything for yourself. But the Bible doesn't teach us that. Because what I want to encourage you with today, and hopefully it's encouraging, but, but there's going to be a place, there's going to be a moment in your life where just like the disciples in Luke chapter 5, you are going to start to sink. The, the, the weight of life, just like the weight of those fish, is going to get so heavy in your life that you are going to start to sink. You are going to start to feel some burdens. You're going to start to feel the weight of that debt. You're going to start to feel the weight of your kids about to graduate and wanting to go to college and not having any money for it. You're going to feel the weight of when that relationship ends and those people leave you. You are going to feel the weight. But not only are you going to feel the weight in the bad times, you may actually feel the weight in the good times. Because it's interesting to me that, that Peter and all of the other the, the fishermen, they weren't disciples yet, all of the other fishermen... They were doing what God had called them to do. Have you ever noticed that before? So, so a lot of times we think that, oh, if I'm, call, if I'm doing what God's called me to do, I'm coming to church, I'm giving to people, I'm serving to people, I'm volunteering. If I do all that, then I'm going to be good. Like my life's going to be easy. It's all going to be great. But, but they were doing what God had called them to do. They were actually receiving the miracle that they had been praying for. But, but in the middle of the miracle, it got a little bit messy. Did you know that, that miracles can be messy? That, that sometimes when you begin to receive what you have been praying for and believing for, it doesn't look the way that you thought it looked. And, and so in the middle of your miracle and in the middle of doing what God has called you to do, you can begin to feel the weight of things. Now, now what we typically do in this situation, if we're just honest with each other, can we be honest this morning? Come on. I, I like participation. I like us to be honest with each other, talk a little bit back and forth. I think if we're honest... Most of us, what we do in this situation is we get to this point where we're doing what God has called us to do. God, on your word, I trust you. Let's go into the deep. We're going to catch a bunch of fish. But then when we get what we've been praying for, we're like, oh, no. Like, like just like I was holding that ping pong table, and I was like, I'm so excited for the ping pong table. And then I was like, oh, no. This, is, this could be real bad right now. It's like, God, why did you forsake me? Why did you abandon me? I've been praying. I've been going to church. I've been taking my friends to church. My family, we've been praying together at night. I've been reading my YouVersion Bible app. Like, I've been doing all the things that you can do. Why does it seem like I'm sinking right now? Why does it seem like I'm going under? Why does it seem like the trials and tribulations of life are about to take me down? Can I tell you that God still has a purpose for your life? That, that just because you're feeling the weight of things does not mean that God has abandoned you. I, I, like to, I, I was just thinking through this, and I, I was thinking about how so often in life when bad things happen, we automatically think it's us being bad. Like, like if bad things are happening in our life, what mistake did I make? Where, where did I go wrong? Was I supposed to take that job? Was I supposed to get that degree? Was I not supposed to go to college and, and go into my career path? Was I supposed to marry that person? Was I supposed to, where did I make a mistake, God? 
And God's saying, no, you didn't make a mistake anywhere along the way. You're just, you're feeling the weight of the blessing. You're, you're feeling the weight of the miracle. Just because you feel like you're sinking doesn't mean you're sinning. Just because you feel like you're sinking doesn't mean you're sinning, doesn't mean that you're doing something bad in your life. It could be that God is trying to bless you, but, but in order to contain the blessing, in order to contain the miracle, in order to make your next step in all that God has called you to do, you're going to have to realize that even though Jesus is in the boat with you, you need some other people. Come on, come on, somebody. I think we have to remind ourselves that, that Jesus was in the boat. And then later on in the Gospels, there's another storm where they feel like they begin to sink and Jesus was in the boat. But even though Jesus was in the boat with them, he didn't stop it from sinking. Even, even though he, he could have just snapped his fingers and them been on the shore, they still felt like they were sinking. And, and I don't know who's in this place today that I just keep feeling that this tug on me, but, but it's so interesting to me that, that they in that moment could have begun to doubt what God had called them to do. Because just a few hours earlier, they were on the shore, they were dry, they were cleaning their nets, they were all good for the night, and now they have gone back and put themselves in a risky situation because of trusting God. And so in that moment, they could have begun to think, God, why did you put us here? Why did you tell us to go out? We were already on the shore. We were safe. Why are you putting us in this situation? And God was trying to show them that he had a miracle for their life. He had a blessing for their life. He was trying to teach them to trust him because later on, Peter would go on to be the apostle that started the early church. And even in this first encounter, Jesus was trying to get them to trust him. And maybe the thing that you're going through right now, maybe it's not even that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Maybe it doesn't even tie in directly to your calling and your destiny, but maybe it is a test to see if you'll trust God. Because if you won't trust him in that moment, why would you trust him later? Like, like if you wouldn't trust God when it's just a few people on a shore and you're fishing, why would you trust God when you're being persecuted as the leader of the early church? So he was trying to see if God would trust him, if Peter would trust him. And so what they realized is they had to find some people. Come on, you got to find some people in your life. You need to establish some relationships in your life. You need to find some people that you can depend on, some people that you can count on, some people that are there in the highs and the lows. Not those people that just want to come around when you want to give them some money. Not, not the people that are going to come around just when they need something from you. You need some people that you can call in the middle of the night and say, hey, I am struggling right now. I'm going to the hospital right now. My marriage needs prayer right now. I don't even know what's going on right now, but just pray for me. I need those kind of people in my life. Come on. Your pastor is one of those kind of people. I have a relationship with your pastor, and even though we may not talk all the time, there is a relationship there where I know if I needed him, he's there. There, there was a moment uh, about six years ago, actually, before I came on staff here at Covenant Life Center, where me and my father had just gone to Sierra Leone, West Africa, and many of you know him. He's preached here several times, and uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan Suber. And so we had gone to Sierra Leone, West Africa, and my dad had contracted uh, cerebral malaria. And malaria is bad, but especially when it gets into your brain, your cerebrum, your cerebellum, whatever it is, uh, it's really, really bad. And so we had gone to Africa, and we come back, and uh, it was about a week later, and malaria, the way it works is you feel really sick for two days, and then you feel better. And then you feel really sick for two days. So like on that third day, you're like, hey, I think I'm getting better. My fever broke. I think I'm all good. Well, about two weeks into that, my father collapses when it's just me and him in uh, their house. 
and it collapses and begins to go on Riger seizures and, and begins to seize. And I get him into the bed. His uh, temperature, uh, three hours later when we actually got him to the hospital after his temperature had broken, was 107 degrees. They think it would probably got up to about 112, 115, which technically should melt your brain. You should be brain dead after that. But, but Pastor Bobby was one of the few people that I called in that situation, and I said, hey, I don't know what's going on right now. I mean, my father is literally dying in this moment. I called Pastor Bobby. I put him on speakerphone. I said, I don't know what's happening. I just need you to pray. And those of you that know Pastor Bobby, I know Caleb already mentioned it today, that prayer is such a, a value of this house. He began to pray and begin to speak in, in tongues and pray in the Spirit. And, and, I, and I'm proud to say that through that prayer that, that my father was healed and that, that he made it through. Come on. Yeah, the, the, the Center for Disease Control actually called my mother and said, we're trying to find the next of kin of Jonathan Suber so we can get some information. And she said, well, he's right here. Do you want to talk to him? And they said, ma'am, no, there's no way that that's possible. He should be brain dead. We thought he was dead. And she said, well, he may be brain dead, but he's standing right here. I can give you the phone. So it was an incredible, but you need people in your life that you can call and you can say, hey, I'm going through something right now or I need something right now. And there's no questions asked. They're not talking back to you. They're not trying to get all these details. They're just there. And so that's what the disciples had to find. They had to find some people. And I want to encourage you, I know it's summertime and there's travel, but I want to encourage you to find some people out here at Covenant Life Center. Get plugged in with the crew. Get plugged in with a small group because you need some people that are there. It doesn't need to be an option. It doesn't need to be, oh, well, I feel like hanging out with them this week. I feel like going to small group this week. I feel like going to church this week. Church shouldn't even be so much about you coming here and hearing something or hearing a great worship song. This should be about you coming together with your people. Like, like you should be excited about church because, like, you're, hey, my family's at that church. My friends are at that church. So whether the sermon's good or not, hopefully it is today, whether the sermon's good or not, whether the worship's good or not, I'm going because that's where my people are. It's not optional in my life. But, but I also want to let you know that not everyone is going to be your people. Not, not everyone is going to be the partner in your life. As we're talking about me, you, we, the power of partnership, not everyone is going to be a partner in your life. Because when the disciples, uh, I'm sorry, when the fishermen, I keep getting mixed up with that. When the fishermen called out for their business partners, if the business partners would have not been fully committed to the relationship, they could have begun to say things, well, didn't we just go fishing last night and y'all went fishing out in the middle of the day? Like, we don't fish in the middle of the day here. In this climate, that's not how this works. Like, why are you out fishing in the middle of the day? Why do you have a pastor in the boat with you? That pastor don't know nothing about fishing. Like, we're tired. We've been fishing all night. Like, we've been doing all these things. We're, we want to go home. Like, I want to get some hummus. I want to get some pita bread. Why, why, Peter, why are you out there on that boat, bro? Like, what is going on? No, they didn't say anything like that. They said, hey, that's my partner out there. And he's in trouble, and even though it might be a little inconvenient for me, and even though it might mess up my afternoon plans, and even though it might be a little different than the way that we normally do things, like, I never really heard of anybody going out and fishing in the middle of the day, like, it's hot out there. I don't know all about that, but that's my partner out there. And because that's my partner, because those are my people that are out there, I'm going to go out there and help them. And so don't get confused if there are people that are around you that don't understand what you're going through, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Because there were plenty of people on the shore that, that the fishermen could have called out to. The Bible tells us that Jesus had gathered a multitude of people. There were probably hundreds of people on the shore that they could have called out to. But those people would not have understood what they were doing. 
Those people did not have the skills. They did not have the training. They did not have the experience to help the fishermen in that situation. And so in your life, you may be trying to bring people along with you, but they don't understand what you're trying to do. Like, like they don't understand why you're going to church on Sunday. They don't understand what, why you're putting godly principles in your life. They don't understand why you're saving yourself until marriage. They don't understand those things. And you have to realize that you can be around those people, but those people are not your partner. Because your partner needs to be somebody that's with you, somebody that understands you, somebody that knows what you're going through, somebody that knows everything about you and is still there. Even though they may not like you sometimes, even though there's things in your life that are dirty and messed up and dark, they say, hey, I'm your partner. I'm still there with you today. Come on, so you need some partners in your life. I'm already preaching this morning, but I hope you're taking some notes. I want to give you a few things today, some kind of handles that you can take home with you that will allow you to find some partners in your life. But the last thing I want to say before we get to there is that you need to realize that there are some people that may not be able to do what you're called to do. That there are things that you're called to that may be so big, they may be so different, they may be so creative, they may be so out of the box that there are people that don't understand it. And, and so don't get lost and don't get confused and don't doubt yourself if other people don't understand it. Because the people that are supposed to understand it, the business connections that you need, the, 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 the connections that you need, the people that you need to meet, the opportunities that you need to have will open themselves because God has ordained it. God has some partners for you. And, and so all of that to say, I just want you to write down this line that you need to find some partners before your problem finds you. You need to find some people before your problem finds you. Because the fishermen, they had a problem, but, but because they had identified their partners before the problem, they, they didn't need to find somebody else. What if they would have been out on the water and been sinking and been like, man, I really wish we knew some people that helped us right now. Can you get on Yelp and figure out if there's some other fishermen in the area that can come help us in this situation? No, no, they had already established these. The, the Bible calls them their business partners. To be a business partner, you had to do some business before. And so these are the same people that had probably been out with them the night before and caught nothing. So, so, so they were willing to be with them in the highs and in the lows. So find some partners, find some people before your problem finds you. The second point I want you to write down is you need to share the load of life. You need to share the load of life. Luke 5 verse 7 says they emptied, they ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats begin to sink. Who in your life is helping you hold the load of life? Who in your life can come alongside you and when the nets feel like they are about to burst, when everything feels like it's about to fall apart, when your marriage is about to fall apart, when you're about to lose your job, when your kids are going crazy, whatever may be happening, who is coming alongside you that is holding the net? Who is coming alongside of you that is holding all of the problems and all the weight of life? Because you need somebody like that. And if we're honest in here today, most of us probably don't have someone like that in our life. And I think there's a couple reasons that, that we don't have someone like that in our life. First of all, we don't want to seem weak. Like, like if we're being honest, especially to the men that are in this place today, we don't want to seem like we can't handle it. And that's been the, the issue mostly in my life is I don't want people to know that I can't handle this situation. Even though really no one is supposed to handle it on their own, even though it's really hard, even though everyone around me knows I can't handle it, I don't want to admit that I can't handle it because I don't want to seem weak. 
I can imagine Peter being kind of the ringleader of this group. He's the one that's mentioned by name over and over. I can imagine him thinking to himself, I'm the boss. I'm the big brother. I'm the one that's experienced. I'm supposed to know how to handle this. I, I, I don't want to admit that I need anybody else. And, and so maybe in your life you need to realize that, that maybe you just need to give up on that pride. Maybe you need to realize that, that you do need other people, that people aren't going to look down on you. People aren't going to call you weak, sir. People aren't going to make fun of you because you asked for some help in your family. Like People aren't going to call you weak because you need some prayer in your life. Come on, somebody. Like, like People aren't going to call you. This is a family. This is a community. We're not going to put you down. True friends would rather help you. They would rather help you carry your net. They would rather you ask for help. True friends would rather you ask for help than sink yourself. True friends would rather you ask for help than sink yourself. And maybe you do kind of go down a couple notches in their eyes. But isn't that better than sinking? Isn't that better than losing everything? Isn't that better than not only losing the miracle of the catch, but also losing your boat and your business and your entire livelihood? Wouldn't you rather a few people maybe say a few things about you rather than you lose it all? But a true friend's not going to do that. They're going to stick with you. The second thing that I think the reason that we don't share the load is because we don't want to share the blessing. Come on. So, so some of us, we might be real quick to share the hard stuff, but are you willing to share the blessing? Be because when the other boat came over, it said that they filled both boats. So that meant that they went halvesies. So Peter could have had double the amount of blessing. He could have made double the amount of money. He, he could have upgraded and maybe started to have a couple boats that were going out fishing. Like he could have grown his business. He could have taken his family on a vacation. He could have done all these things that are all good and all things that we want to do. But instead he had to share the blessing. And maybe you are in this place today and there is a load that you are carrying. And you know that you need to share the blessing with some other people. Like, you know you need to bring some new people onto your business. You know you need to have a partner. You know you need to divide things up. You know that you need help in your family. You know you need these things, but you're like, things are going so good right now, and I don't really know if I want to share this with anybody else. Because so often in life, we want to be known that it was all us that did this. Like, this was me. And maybe you're willing to admit that God helped you, but as far as people, you're like, it was me. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Nobody else helped me get here. I did this on my own. My family didn't have money. My family didn't have connections. Whatever it may be for you, we, we want to say that we did this. Peter, went, Peter could have gone back and be like, man, our boat was about to sink. But I'm so smart and I'm such a great captain. We did this and we moved this over to here and we got back. We did this all on our own. We caught, this is the most fish anybody's ever caught on this whole lake. Like this was us. We did this. But no, he had to share the blessing with somebody else. And you may be in here today and you need to share the blessing with somebody else. They may get a little bit of credit. They may get a little bit of things that are going to help them and grow them. But, but not only do they get a little bit of the credit, it, it, it actually blesses both of us. Because we have to keep reminding ourselves that if they had not called for the other boat, they would have sank. So it would have been great. Like, you know those fishermen, they're like, I caught a fish this big, but I lost it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was this big, I promise. It's like, well, where's the picture? Like, why don't you? And it's like, well, you know, I kind of lost it. Like, Peter could have been like, yeah, we had, we had so many fish. It was, it was filling up our boat. It was like two boats worth of fish. 
Well, where's it at, Peter? Well, you know, we kind of lost it all. So really, by, by dividing things, they were a blessing. It blessed themselves and blessed others. And then as the worship team comes today, the third one is you need to find friends that follow Jesus. So you need to find some partners before your problem finds you. You need to share the load of life. And then you need to find friends that follow Jesus. Verse 11 says, after pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. You need godly friends in your life that are willing to drop everything if it means following Jesus. You have to understand these fishermen, they were not broke guys. Like a lot of preachers get up and talk about, you know, all the fishermen and they were so poor, you know, they probably didn't even have clothes. And No, no, no. Peter was like a boss. He, he, was, he was a boss businessman. Like, like he had prominence in his community. People knew of Peter. Like, like people knew of his family. People knew who he was. And, and he saw a miracle that, that was so great, that was so life-changing, that was so impactful, that he chose to leave all of that behind to follow Jesus. And all throughout the scriptures, we find partnerships to where if you're really going to partner up with what God is doing in your life, if you're going to partner with God and then other people partner with you, you're going to have to leave some things behind. I, I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. When he's out plowing the ground and the prophet Elijah comes and says, hey, you want to come with me? Come with me. Doesn't give him explanation. Doesn't give him details. Doesn't give him a speaking itinerary. Itinerary Doesn't say, hey, in five years you're going to get this. In ten years you're going to get this. One day you're going to get my mantle. One day you're going to get a double portion. No, it doesn't tell him any of that. He just says, hey, if you want to partner with what God is doing, you're going to have to leave some things behind. And he believed so much in what God was doing, he actually burned the plows and killed the ox and had a barbecue. And he said, hey, if I'm going to leave my life behind, like we're going to party about it. Come on. And he left it all behind and then ended up being this great prophet and doing all these great things and getting a double portion and having the mantle and all this great stuff. But he had to leave it all behind. All throughout the scriptures, the disciples, the apostle Paul later after the original 12. He's a great man of prominence. He was educated. He was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, the Bible calls him. He was uh, upper echelon. He, he was good with the Romans and with the Jews. He kind of teetered both sides of the line. His family was well known. He went to the most prestigious university of the day. It, it would be like graduating from the top of your class at Harvard Law. He, he, was, he was great. He was well known. And, and he experiences God God blinds his eyes, and even though he's been killing Christians, even though he's well-known in the community, even though all these great things are happening in his life, in the world's eyes, he said, I'm willing to leave all of that behind, all of the good stuff and the bad stuff, the blessing and the burden. I'm willing to leave all of that behind to follow after Jesus. And so you need some people in your life that are following God. I, I think it's great when you go first. Some people, sometimes you'll have to go first. Sometimes you'll be the first in your community. You'll be the first on your job. You'll be the first in your family to really commit to God. 
You'll be maybe the only Christian that you know in your friend circle. Just like Peter went first, you may have to go first. And because Peter was already a leader, and I believe everyone that is in here, you have influence, which is leadership. You may not see yourself as a leader, but you're leading somebody. And when they see you go first, they're going to begin to follow you. But, but I think you can't go first and then always be the only one. Like you need to get some people around you that are going to build you up, that are going to encourage you. That's why you need to come to church on Sunday, on Wednesdays, when there are other events, because we're going out and pouring out into other people all the time. Like you're encouraging other people all the time. You're praying for other people all the time. And you need to come together with a community of like-minded people so that you can build yourself up. Because if not, you're going to go out there and you're going to get so empty and you're going to get so tired and you're going to get so weary and you're going to begin to think, why did God abandon me and why did he leave me? And he's saying, I didn't, but you need some other people around you to tell you that. You need some other people to tell you that God is for you and not against you. You need some other people to tell you you are the head and not the tail. I I love my my mother-in-law, probably one of the most faith-filled speaking people that I know. When we were starting our church, it was a really hard time in my life. And I remember calling her, this is even before Hannah and I were married, and she would just begin to speak things over me that I knew I had heard before. I had read it in the Bible, but I needed somebody else to tell me. Because I had been telling myself, no, you're not called. No, God didn't tell you to do that. No, you messed up. And I needed somebody else to come alongside me and to counteract those thoughts and those words. So you need some other people to encourage you, to lift you up. The Bible says that two are better than one. So I know I know everybody in here. I know you're great. I know you're killing it. I know you're a boss. I know you got all these things going on in your life. But you need still need somebody else. Because even if you're the best of the best, two is better than one. You need a partner in your life. David was called and anointed by God. He was the first true king because Saul, the people kind of appointed him. It's this weird thing. I won't get into it. But God anointed David and said, this is going to be my guy. And we know that he messed up and he, he did all these things. We know that. But God still anointed him. God still called him. But even though he was so great, even though uh, he, he, he was well known and, you know, he put, you know, all these different things that he's done. We talk about killing Goliath and all these different things that we love that he did. All these things. He still needed a Jonathan. He, he still needed someone in his life that was going to come alongside him and encourage him and give him a heads up and say, Hey, by the way, my dad's trying to kill you, so maybe you should go over here and do this thing over here. Like, you need some people in your life that, like, hey, I know you're about to go with that girl, but you don't need to because this, this, and this. And you need to just remove yourself from that situation. Like, delete the number. Don't show up. Leave her on red. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Got the young adult pastor over here. Yes, amen, amen. But, but David needed Jonathan. And then even Jonathan, he, he had a partner. And I, I just want to give you this to build you up, to, to let you know that it's not just you, that all the great men and women of faith that we read throughout the Bible and through the years, they all had to have someone alongside them. E- even the armor bearer, where the armor bearer with, with Jonathan, Jonathan was going to go up and it was going to be two guys against all these Philistines. Like it was impossible odds. There was no way they could win it on their own. Without God, they were going to die. Like it was going to be no questions asked. Maybe you're in that same situation today where you're trying to do something that's so big and so unique and God has called you to do so many incredible things and you know without God you're going to fail. 
And you're like, well, I mean, if I'm going to fail anyways, I mean, why do I need another person with me? Like, I'll just, it'll just be me and God. But Jonathan said, I, I need my armor bearer. And the armor bearer, because not you won't always be the Jonathan, you won't always be the David, maybe sometimes you're going to be the armor bearer. And, and you're going to have people in your life, you're going to have partners in life that are called to do all these crazy things. And you're like, I'm going to be honest, that's pretty crazy. Like, that's pretty. But if you feel like God told you to do that, I'm with you. The armor bearer told Jonathan, that's a pretty crazy idea, but I'm with you heart and soul. Like, if we die, we die, but we're going to die together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Like, like, we need some people to come around. We need to get together. And so as I just add my little thought to this series that you're going through, the, the power tools. I know Pastor Bobby's been talking about the power of God, and you need the power of God in your life. You, you need an encounter with God. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized. You, you need to be all those different things. You need the power of God in your life. But know that if you feel like you're still missing something, if you've done all that, you're like, I've been coming to church, I got baptized, I've been through all the connection, I've been through all that stuff, and I still feel like I'm missing something. Maybe you're like Adam, where you've been doing what God's called you to do. You're grinding. You're going for it. You're doing all that he's called you to do. I'm in God's will. I'm not sinning. I'm not going over here. I'm not doubting God. I'm doing all that God's called me to do, but I still feel like I'm missing something. I, I'm just here. All of this today was just to encourage you that maybe that's a person that you're missing. And maybe for those of you that are single in here, you're like, bless God, that's my wife. Bring it to me, Lord. Hallelujah. And maybe it is, because it is true that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But maybe right now, if you're single, you need to link up with some other people. Like maybe you need to find some people of the same gender that you can be real with, like that you get real practical, that you can share what you're going through, and they can encourage you, they can lift you up. If you're married, it, if maybe you're in this place and, and your, your spouse has already gone to be with the Lord, whatever it may be, you still need people. It's not always about the romance. It's not always about those things. You need people in your life to get where God has called you. Because you can't do what God's called you to do without the power of a partner. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.